Welcome to the Create a Relationship You Love Summit. I'm your host, Andrea Carella, and the benefits of this summit are to help couples create satisfying, authentic, harmonious, and passionate relationships. We have today a very special couple on the call, Jennifer and Brian Russell. I met them at a conference last year and loved their talk. They were talking about uh, the masculine and feminine energy in leadership, and I was really inspired to find out more about them. And they are specialists in working with couples and relationships using their own dynamic and their own philosophy of both and rather than an either or relationship mentality and creating a sense of freedom and devotion in their own relationship and helping couples to thrive in their own. Today we will be talking about how to go from ordinary to extraordinary in your relationship. We will cover how couples can go from ordinary to extraordinary and how to evolve in their relationship. Thank you so much, Brian and Jennifer, for being on today's summit. Oh, we're thrilled and delighted. What better topic for us to come together on than love and helping couples have more of it in their lives and have it in a way that really supports them both in individually and together. So we're delighted. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here and uh, particularly to speak be, to be speaking to you, the listeners, because uh, I know how important it is to have a, a love relationship that you that really inspires you and how much of the rest of your the quality of your life that affects so i love being in there with you talking about the thing that matters most that's great so can you tell us a little bit about how a couple goes from ordinary to extraordinary well first of all uh, i think that um just the idea of an extraordinary relationship is often a new one. And most couples, when they get together, try to do ordinary relationship just the best they can. And the, there's all of these automatic mindsets that we have about what an ordinary relationship is um, that we don't challenge, that we just assume that we're fitting inside of. You know, uh, and there's many, many of them, you know, like, um, we're, we're supposed to be sort of competitive with our spouses and are in relationship. And if one of them is making a lot more money, it makes the other one uncomfortable. Or uh, if, uh, you know, we're supposed to um, uh, only think sexually about our partner and never have a sexual thought about anyone else ever. And if we don't do that, we're being a bad person. We have all of these ideas of what an ordinary relationship is. Well, and if you don't stay together, no matter what. That's you're, right. You're, That's you're, you're, you fail. That's right. Stay together at all costs, even if you're miserable and um, or or, you know, and and, uh, you know, even uh, even things that we really don't like, like it's it's ordinary to have topics of conversation that you just can't talk about in a marriage um, or ordinary. I hear this from men sometimes that you there are certain things you just don't say to your wife or your your partner. You know, you it's just not healthy to say everything that you're thinking and feeling right. and being all the way transparent. There's, there's like a benefit to that. So That's we right. have a lot of these, you know, commonplace, ordinary views. And, you know, what, what Brian and I did, you know, when we came together, we, you know, we, we made all the same mistakes that, you know, so many of us make. And we really were committed to building brick by brick our relationship 
and have it be in the context of creating a really extraordinary one. And what would that look like? What does evolutionary partnership look like if we had to build it from scratch? Because clearly we had been from one relationship to another. I had had, you know, over a dozen other relationships before meeting Brian that I couldn't quite figure out how to have any longevity in. And, you know, he had the same. He had just gotten out of a divorce. And so we had a lot to learn and we're willing to look at that as we started our relationship, you know, eight years ago. And we found like these 10 beliefs that uh, seem like they make sense on the surface. You know, they're ordinary beliefs that that when when you hear them, I, I'm imagining a lot of you will relate to having thought the, these things, but actually they strangle the magic out of what could otherwise be an epic and long lasting love affair. Um, and so I guess, you know, one of the things that we're excited to talk to you about today, Andrea, is like, how you know, what are those ordinary viewpoints that strangle the magic out and what would be the the complementary extraordinary one that you might hold in your relationship um, that we've been holding in ours that has us have what I feel like is a really epic love story. I mean, mm. Brian and I, are, and I are as in love as we were eight years ago when we met and our, our honeymoon phase never ended. Mm -hmm. you know, we're mm -hmm. still in it. Mm. And so we just want people to have more of that in their lives. Totally. Absolutely. It, it really I, I agree. That's one of the inspirations for this summit is to help couples maintain an extraordinary relationship and know how to. Yeah. Yeah. The, and it takes letting go of your ideas about what it should be because all of our ideas about what relationships should be or what we our expectations of our partner and how they should act, all of those are actually created by this ordinary view of relationship. And to have an extraordinary view, you have to be willing to let go all of that in favor of what you actually desire deeply, what you actually want to make happen. And well, it's, it's like you're questioning what's on automatic. We have these these little automatic things that we think and believe, and we don't even know where where they came from. Yeah. Um, and we haven't we haven't done the work of like looking at those things and questioning them. And that's something that you know we've we've done. And what's always surprising to me before we get into some of what these are, because I'm sure people want to know, mm -hmm. um, is is that you know we'll spend all of our primary and secondary education in college teaching about reading and writing and history and science and arithmetic and all of these subjects. But the one thing that will impact your life more than anything else in the realm of, of human to human interaction, of relationship, of learning about that, we spend almost zero time on. And I don't know about you, but I, it, this to me feels absurd. Mm, and, absolutely. And Especially I when mean, it's so vital to surviving yeah. and thriving in your life. Yeah, it's shocking to me. And and the thing is, is that we actually have learned a lot as a human species about what it takes to relate and relate in a way that's evolutionary instead of uh, relate in a way that eventually has you devolve and have less of yourself show up and eventually, you know, dissolve out of out of being in that relationship to start it up again and to rinse and repeat. And it can be taught. These things are, are knowable and teachable. There are practices and conversations that anybody, if they were just taught, if you just invested in your relationship, like all of you guys on this summit are doing by reaching out to Andrea and having her, uh, you know, be a guide for you with all of the people you've brought together. It's, it's incredible. So, you know, I, I just am really happy that we have figured out or codified some of what we think is valuable to take you from that ordinary to extraordinary that I think what you'll find both easy to grasp and practical. 
Mm, great. So, so can you elaborate on on that, on some of those yeah. tips yeah. and practical suggestions? Yeah, let's pick a few. I let's... Think we, yeah, we might have time for one or two. So let's let's start start with a real popular one. Um, this I- idea of uh, ordinary the, in an ordinary relationship. Um, yeah, that you're committed to each other, right? I mean, one of one of our, you know, if see if this just seems like normal, natural, you know, in an ordinary relationship, it's really important that you're committed to each other. Um, and it's natural to prioritize your commitment to each other above everything else, right? When you're in a relationship, you're committed to your partner more than anything else in your, anyone else, at least. Yeah. You're, you're thought of as wrong. If you're, if I say I'm not committed to my partner, that's a bad thing. In an ordinary right, 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 right. You know, and, 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 and so this is kind of, but an, an ordinary view and you're probably thinking, well, of course, Jennifer, what, what, why wouldn't you want to do that? You know, well, the why wouldn't you is often because you get into this kind of deadlock is when you're each committed to each other, um, there's this imbalance that often occurs where one person is more committed than the other. There's been whole books written about secure and insecure attachment, you know, where one person's anxious and one person is avoidant and and you are in this battle of, of what I would call the lover and beloved um, one person loves the other one more and your, your commitment to each other kind of can erode and be the constant source of irritation and frustration in your relationship. And, and often when you're in fights, how do you resolve that? You know, if one side of the coin is saying, I want it my way. And the other side of the coin, you know, the other partner saying, well, I want it my way. There's no way out of that because how do you figure out who's right and who's wrong and who compromises and who loses and who wins? So, but this is kind of how we look at relationship is that we commit to each other as the most important thing. I'd like to share that one of the juiciest conversations that Brian and I have with couples that revolutionize how they relate and and it is usually one of the best conversations they've ever had is to have to commit not just to each other, but actually to commit to a larger context. We, we sometimes call this the third pole, right? If in a polarity, in, a, in an ordinary relationship, you're each circling each other. So you're creating kind of polarity there. In our example of what an extraordinary relationship is, is that you actually commit to this third thing, this third pole and, and, and it's, it's a higher sense of purpose for the relationship for both the people in it. And so this is like the context of why you're in relationship to begin with. What is this third thing that you're almost more committed to than each other? And in fact, we will say in a maybe controversial sense uh, that we are more committed to this third pole than each other. But since we're included in this kind of triangle, it all stabilizes itself. And so what we find is we evolve together versus devolve apart from, you know, clashing. Um, and so for us, it's like the context of a relationship. So I have, I ask couples, so what is the context for your relationship? The one that you both are committed to. And yeah, the thing that's more important yeah. than each other, the thing that's so important that if you didn't have it, you wouldn't be in relationship at all. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, I we find that they basically just to overgeneralize for a moment, fall into three categories. Right. There are people that are in relationship for bliss, for happiness, for pleasure, for, you know, they're in a relationship to be happy and that that happiness is um, if their relationship is providing them happiness, then it's fulfilling its context. And if they're both dedicated to that, then they can create that as a shared context. So that's one common one we see. 
Um, another common one, and, and people have different words for that. You know, sometimes it's bliss, sometimes it's it's pleasure, sometimes it's following desire, yeah. sometimes it's you know being contented and satisfied. But these are the, that's that category. The second category I would say is um, uh, the category of of what I would call safety, and this is my relationship, the context of my relationship is that it provides me the nourishment and safety and security. Um, it's like the respite for the world. I go out and I, you know, create amazing things in the world. I've got my businesses and my dharmic gifts that I give. And so does my partner. And that we come home to find respite from all of that, to soothe each other and create safety and create a nice, sweet, safe environment. And that's the second type, the kind of safety types. So there's the happiness types, the safety types. But the third one for us is more our context. And it's for us, the the exciting one, which is the context of our relationship is our own evolution and growth. And when you have that as a context, you're actually willing to, if if they're at odds, to, to not always be happy or to not always feel safe in service to your growth because the growth isn't always easy. It's not always happy. It's not always fun. Um, it's also not always safe because if you're growing, you're doing things that are really unknown to you. And so when your relationship has as a context being a more extraordinary version of yourselves individually and collectively, then that very context that you're growing becomes the third pole. So a fight, like you might have a conflict about I want it my way. And then he goes, well, I want it my way. Doesn't go the same way in our relationship. The reason this works so well to create an extraordinary relationship is we then immediately ask ourselves, okay, so we're each in conflict over how we want it. Um, And we ask ourselves, well, what would be more evolutionary? What would be more extraordinary? What would have us each growing more? You know, who's coming from the more limited sense? And that you'd be surprised is clear usually to both of us. And then we're willing to give up our preferences in service to what would actually have us grow if, you know, what we're really fighting for is like our smallness or having a preference. Yeah, I think that that's so helpful to be able to be an evolution and in growth and that if you show up as the best version of yourself, then you bring more of yourself into the relationship. You know, it was early on in our relationship and we'd gotten ourselves into a... um, uh, a hard place. We, you know, you would say maybe we were fighting, but more, more than that we were fighting, it's, it's that we were really each, um, pulling for, um, a different way of being. I, you know, things, things weren't good with a relationship right now. Um, I was blaming Jennifer for it. She was blaming me for it. We were like, you know, (laughs) we were each the cause of each other's problems. Totally. And, um, (laughs) and, I had a pattern of dealing with relationship in the past where I could just sort of suck it up, internalize, uh, be the bad guy and kind of say you're right and move on. And that was, you know, and just kind of stuff more kind and more. Of yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, and that was kind of how, that was how I made the peace. I was a peace, you know, I'm a peacemaker type if you, if you follow those kinds of types. So mm-hmm. uh, I was in the shower and I was preparing my peacemaking, you know, uh, cocktail for myself and getting ready, you know, the internal emotional work that I do to, to do that. And, but I remembered that the, that we had committed to growth and what we committed to evolution for ourselves 
as more important the relationship. And I was like, okay, well, time to put your money where your mouth is here, Brian. I'm in the shower thinking I have to actually say some of the things to Jennifer about how I see this conflict and how I see her part in it that I I previously had never been willing to say in any relationship Mm -hmm. uh, in my previous marriage, in my previous long-term relationships before that. It's just not something I would have been comfortable doing because I thought if this really lands for her, she could leave me. This could be it. We could break up. Mm -hmm. Um, And and then I decided, you know what, I'm choosing breakup and growth over uh, staying together and not growth. And so uh, I came to her and I came to her with a lot of humility and a lot of fear, really, and said, look, I'm really afraid that as I say what's true for me, it's, it could threaten the relationship. But, but I'm, but I'm, I'm going to trust that we meant what we said about development and growth. This is how I see it. This is how I see your part. This is what I want. This is how I see my part. And then she kind of said, okay, well, this is how I see it, and this is how I see your part, and so I see my, my part. And what de- developed out of that conversation was a much broader and deeper understanding that led to one of the biggest transformations in my life where I understood m- way more deeply the impact of my behavior, that the impact of my behavior just wasn't the immediate interaction, but it had ripple effects um, you know, that were far deeper. And, in, you know, and, I, and I also got to see... Um, in that conversation, I get to see that how much more Jennifer loved me than I thought was possible for a person to love a person. So I was actually discounting some of her behavior because I didn't think it was coming from love because I couldn't actually hold how deeply she was loving me until I was willing to just put it all out in the line and risk the relationship. And that so, takes a lot of courage to be able to have those honest conversations. But what transpires is something so deep and enriching that can really draw you closer together. Oh, I love that. Yes. Provided that the honesty is in service to a common goal. What right. drew us to it could have easily split us apart if we weren't if we hadn't already agreed that we're both on the path of development, maximum development for her and for me. Mm-hmm. That was the thing the thing that held us together in that moment. If we weren't on that same page, then it would have even though she loved me and I loved her it would have been the more common story of just like, well, I guess we're incompatible or I just don't see it. Or way. to escalate as you're telling me my part, then, then I mean, here's how the fight normally goes, right? You tell me my part and I go, well, what about your part? Yeah. You know, well, my, you know, your part's what caused me to be that way. And so, right. so our, our five-year-old comes out <laughs> and then it's two five-year-olds in conversation. And that's when I pretend to agree with you so we can end the fight and just get on. Yeah, and he'll either agree with me or if you're a more conflict uh, uh, towards kind of person, then then he could could come out swinging. And then we're literally just in a lockdown. Yeah. Um, And this is what we see most fights, the way most fights go. If you're not each committed to something outside of yourselves, then you're actually limited. You're, you're, You're in the more limited view of yourself. Right. And, and they're in the more limited view of themselves and you're fighting against your limitations and your smallness. Yeah. And, and what a context uh, provides is a, a method of having you two people aligned around one thing that helps to pull you out, like pull you out of the muck, raise the level of conversation you're having, literally evolve even the nature of your conflict. And so the practical tip to take away from this one before we go on to another one is what is the context of your relationship? Ask yourself that. What is the very reason this third pole that you're committed to in your relationship? And then ask your partner 
if they're not already listening, the same question and find out whether they're overlapping or not. And is there one that can be? Because it's not, we're not, we're not teaching you that, well, Brian has this other context and then I have my mine and then we each have ours because that would just be the same fight. We actually each are committed to the same one. And that's that commitment to the same one that uh, uh, that rises you out of the muck of the fights that have you dissolve and devolve and, and grow apart and instead have you evolve and grow together. So, Right. Conscious loving. Of, uh, Conscious loving. Yeah, con- exactly. Instead of saying, hey, Jennifer, I didn't like what you, how you said that to me. It really hurt my feelings. Uh-huh. I mean, I could say that. But uh, if I can also say, hey, Jennifer, so we just had this interchange and you said that thing and then I reacted the way I reacted. Like, help me understand your development path and how you want to be in yeah. situations like that. Yeah. And then she can say what she could say. And she can say, you know, help me understand yours. And then she might say, you know, I actually see an even greater path for you. I actually, I actually believe in you more than that. I think that there's an even more extraordinary path for you, which might look like this. What do you think? Does that, is that appealing to you? I'm like, well, actually, yeah, I would totally want to be that guy that you just described. It feels very far away. I don't know if I believe in myself to be him, but I'd love to. She's like, well, I believe in you to be him. So let's work on how we can together use our relationship to for both of us to traverse down those paths. It's a very different conversation than I didn't like what you said to me and you should be nicer. And mm-hmm. how come I would never say that to you? Well, why did you do that thing? You know, family, I would have been nice. Never, my, my family would never <laughs> say those things to you. No, those kinds of yeah. Well, let's, that's a good segue, actually. Should, we should give at least one more of these distinctions. We've had sure. 10 of these um, mm. that, that we've developed, and there's probably more than this, but these 10 really cover it. Um, let's, let's talk about the next one uh, so that we can cover at least one more. Does that feel right? Okay. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So the one that the, I think one of the ones that comes up next for me anyway is this, this idea in an ordinary relationship that you really expect your partner to learn your triggers and your sensitivities and frankly to stay clear of them, you know, that learn what makes you upset and not do that stuff because, uh, uh, well, you know, uh, essentially that's effectively caretaking for your wounded child. You weren't your wounded inner child. You've heard this phrase, your wounded child. Mm-hmm. So I've got the wounded child and I want Jennifer to to kind of stay clear of the things that make him afraid or angry or sad or upset. And while nobody wants their partner to play mommy or daddy all the time, one way that you typically in an ordinary relationship know that you're loved is that your partner takes care not to do the things that they know bother you or make you uncomfortable, right? It's it's sort of common sense. Unfortunately, though, that common sense uh, leads you to a pattern which, which keeps the wounded frame fixed and it keeps you relating to yourself continuously as that wounded child and the wounded children then in the relationship are running the show and (laughs) and nobody's actually parenting um while you know it's like it's like the babysitter for the wounded child where you're not actually responsible for healing them you're just trying to not make them upset so that your babysitting time can be as pleasurable as possible right yeah um and i think in an extraordinary relationship uh and this this realization came to us quite by accident uh, it was uh, it was uh, the opposite of deep introspection. It just hit hit us like a ton of bricks. But in an in a extraordinary relationship, the focus I think is more that you become the playmate for the healthy child. You know, in an extraordinary relationship, the the joy and the wonder of your healthy inner child really gets to play, and it's like this innocence, open hearted, like a pre wounded child that's in you, 
that hasn't learned so many limiting beliefs gains a playmate to be silly with, to explore new worlds with, to, to feel idealistic again in, in, like in a field of pure love. You know, if there's historical pain or trauma or whatever that comes up, because that obviously happens, each partner can help the other to reparent themselves. And, and sits really as a witness, not a therapist or a, a daddy or a mommy, but a witness and a supporter for the internal job of remembering that you're whole, you're complete, and that you're enough, which is what ha- has those that wounded child heal. Yeah, so just to, just to kind of reiterate, so the ordinary is that you're a caretaker for, for my wounded child. In an ordinary relationship, each of you play that role, like caretaker for yeah. my wounded child. In an extraordinary relationship, you're a playmate for my healthy child, yeah. right? And that's a, a, a very different feeling relationship where you actually see your partner as capable of reparenting. And it's your job not to caretake and try to avoid the landmines and the triggers and be on good behavior and be rebuffed if you've forgotten to avoid their triggers. But your your job is actually to bring curiosity and joy and wonder to the to the moments that might have the trigger in them and to see them as capable of reparenting and then give your support to them for that reparenting. Yeah. Right. You know, I I um you know, when Brian and I met, we had a really strong, distinct feeling that I you know, I don't even know where it came from. It might sound a little magical or, or odd, but feels magical to me. Yeah. But I like for him, he told me that he could really just feel like the five-year-old in him, the young, joyful, idealistic five-year-old, like saw me and said, oh, that one, that's my playmate. And then there's this little seven-year-old girl. Now, he's older than me, but for me, it was this little seven-year-old girl that like wanted to grab his little five-year-old by the hand and run around and play. And we saw our relationship as privilege and play that we got to be in instead of this like drudgery of work. Um, and, and that beauty of the healthy versions of us, a part in us finding the kind of unlimited healthy versions for us to come together and play and have that anchor point to create what does healthy love look like in, in a being that's in our timeline that exists outside of time and space because we are all the ages, right? We, we don't just exist as the age we are today. We actually have access to every age we've ever been. And so those two our five-year-old and seven-year-old get to love each other in a healthy way and get to show us as the adults that do have triggers, that do have issues, um, that have had limitations, that, you know, have patterns to get through. They, they get to show us how to love each other. Absolutely. When- yeah. And my husband and I have a very similar dynamic oh, where where we have a, a playfulness and a pleasure and really it's almost like our little kids come out and and play with each other and really enjoy life uh, along the way. And so I, I think that that's a, a wonderful image. There's also an artist that did an art piece where it showed basically two adults, you know, in metal form back to back. And oh, then yeah, inside there's an illumination of two little kids within and they're both touching each other's hands. And I think that, that that's really the compass to really – be connected with with one another's vulnerability and sensitivity and yeah. being aware of that. That piece of art, Andrea, oh my God, I so love that you brought that up. That mm. I got to see that live where it was set up and mm. it was so striking to see the adult versions, arms crossed, facing away, looking angry and forlorn, 
right. and certainly not disconnected, but the inner children in them inside of, of their, the, these figures were reaching towards each other because they are always wanting love connection, and connection. Love mm. mm-hmm. Yeah. So when, when I proposed to Jennifer, um, quite involuntarily, uh, the first thing that happened for me is an image of myself at about five. And I was, uh, at that age, I wore a, a bright yellow uh, raincoat all, uh, all year round. Didn't matter if it was raining or not. <laughs> I probably wore it to bed. And, you know, it was like my, like similar to like a blankie, right? Mm. So I, I had this image of me with the bright white hair and the yellow raincoat at five years old. And, and it just flashed into my mind. And he said to me, this one will play with me. And I was so touched by that um, thought that that came, like I said, quite involuntarily. And and what I think we, what you as listeners can do with that is, if you if you remember yourself at your at your most playful and your most fun, your most carefree age, and it might be three, it might be five, it might be seven, it might be thirteen, whatever it is for you, the age that you identify as most free and playful for you, and then think about what was fun for you then. You know, was it your imagination? What did what you know? For me, what one of the things that was really fun is a, a real idealism about love and about people, and you know, the goodness, seeing the good in people, and like that was a big part of my experience as a as a five year old. And so, what are the things that were fun for you then? What were the qualities of that fun, and, and can you? can you create time and space to really explore that deeply with your partner Mm. um, and, and, and make that value, make that kind of fun um, a vital part of your relationship. And if you do, there's just an integration um, and a freedom that you feel uh, uh, that as Jennifer said, really transcends time. Mm -hmm. Now, can you tell us a little bit about evolving love and evolutionary partnership? Can you speak to that and, Maybe shed light on on what that is and how it works in relationships. Sure. So you know, evolving and evolutionary. Um, uh, first of all, it, it's it hints at that we're in this context of of growth together. That um, that the love itself is evolving me. It's evolving Jennifer. It's evolving the the cultural identity of marriage itself, and it's really through the love relationship through the way men and women are treating each other and evolving that story, we change everything else. We change what's funny in culture. We change what's poignant. We change who we want for president. We change what, you know, our relationship to the the planet and to the ecosystem. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I love what Brian is saying. And one thing I'd add that has just been repeating in my mind over and over ever since I heard it from this group in Tamara that is a community that's been together for 40 years um, and and more. And they they said this to me, and, and this to me represents evolutionary love, which is that we'll, we, we can't live in a world without war until we heal the war between the sexes and create peace there. Mm-hmm. And to me, you know, evolving love, evolutionary love, as we've been talking about, is really about starting with healing the kind of rift the divide between the masculine and feminine energies or between love itself so that we're not recreating our wounding in our government structure in whether we go to war or not in how we handle decision making or conflict because we are holographically recreating that all the way up 
to our whole civilization. So we really need to start like evolving. Mm. Love is a much more serious business than just, you know, making sure you have great sex and, and a nice partner to warm your bed. It's, it's, it's really the source of creating what I feel like is peace mm. uh, in this world in a world that thrives and gets along and is connected and yet sovereign, you know, has freedom and devotion, not freedom or devotion, both to the agency, our own agency, and to the communal, to the community. And that evolving love requires the inside work of two people willing to heal the wounded child, right? And, and to come to love from a whole and complete version of themselves. And that to us is evolving love. And we love to teach that because it's teachable, it's learnable. We have practices that we teach and conversations that we teach. There's a, a retreat that's coming up where we're going to dive deeply into it with, you know, 20, 30 people where we're going to be, you know, really, really um, laying the groundwork for what does it look like to actually build this brick by brick for everyone in their relationship. So that's what evolving love is to us. Mm, I think that that's so uh, wonderful. And that really is aligned with what my purpose for this summit is, because I really believe that if people can find inner peace and love within themselves and cultivate that in relationships, that that will create a ripple effect in our homes and in our communities and in our world. So I, I think that that definitely starting from the ground up is really going to create a shift in our consciousness and our global society. Absolutely. Yeah, and even even further, I love what you said because it's even even further, I think you're hinting at this, that our very survival is a life and death issue. Mm. We don't think of it that way, right? We think, oh, this is just, you know, me fighting with my partner or whatever. It's no mm. big deal. But us resolving that, us figuring that out mm. is the difference between us as a culture extincting ourselves, taking our environment past the point of no return, warring with each other. Uh, destroying each other in, in, in all the ways that we can, not loving our planet enough or the species on it enough in order to create an ecosystem that can thrive. Like it really has impact, not just on the quality of your life as an individual, but on the quality of our civilization. So yes, just all of you guys listening, thank you for devoting yourselves to looking at this topic. Like the reason you're in this summit to begin with is because this stuff matters to you. So mm. we are so on the same page. I love what you're doing. Mm, thank you. That you're making this available to so many people. Likewise, likewise. Well, it seems like we're in alignment with with the really the intention of what this summit is all about and all the people that are on this call and on this summit is really being part of the change that they want to see in the world and really starting mm -hmm. from themselves and their relationship and really creating that and being part of this global shift, which is really yep. exciting. starts there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now you have a very special gift to offer our audience. Can you share a little bit about what that is and where they can access it? Yeah, I would love to. So it's it's almost just titillating and unfair to tell you we have these 10 distinctions around ordinary to extraordinary and only give you two of them. Um, but we also didn't want to rush and be really superficial about them. So we thought that, you know, for your audience, Andrea, if you if you wanted um, that you'd give them access to this PDF that we created with all 10. Um, and, and so um, at jennifersrussell.com forward slash epic love, that's the link. And I'm sure maybe she can send you the link. Sure, um, I'll include it. You'll get it. a little PDF. Mm -hmm. And you'll get the PDF and, and it goes through each of the 10. So it, as you're going through those, just notice which ones on the ordinary side that you're holding and which ones on the extraordinary side you're holding and see if you might just try out for yourself and see if it's useful to begin 
trying on some of these extraordinary concepts and working with your partner to kind of play with them, you know, bring the healthy child to the, to the, even the exploration, but we'd love to share that um, so that you're not left hanging. <laughs> that sounds great. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for this great conversation. It was lovely talking to both uh, you, Brian and, and Jennifer. Oh, what yeah. a delight. Yeah, thank it you. was fun. Thank you. Yeah. My pleasure. Once again, I'm your host, Andrea Carella with True Potential Counseling. And just to recap what we covered on today's show, we covered how to go from ordinary to extraordinary in your relationship with some helpful tips and strategies, as well as discussing evolving love and evolutionary partnership. I look forward to connecting with you. Be sure to check your inbox. Have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye.